welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Yes, ideas shape markets, but they also can change the world. And we're in the risk resilience and security industry today with Cheryl Steele, Vice President of Global Security and Resilience for Starbucks Coffee. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. So happy to be joining you today, Ron. Absolutely. Now, Cheryl was brought to the table by one of our executive members. In fact, a number of members have mentioned her. And Cheryl, you've got quite a reputation already among your peers. <laughs> Is that infamous or? <laughs> Let's call it infamous because I got a feeling we're going to share some really interesting ideas that will uh, not only inspire your peers, but also maybe provoke them a little bit uh, and, and challenge them a little bit as well. But first, let's just go over your background. How, how, what was your background that led you eventually into this industry? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know that there is a clear line from my background to my current role, or at least not an obvious one. Although sitting here with the value of hindsight, it, it all seems like every step naturally built upon the one that precedes it. Um, so I started my professional career as a diplomat with the U.S. Department of State. I was a career foreign service officer, um, went into that, had a, a deep love and fascination with the Middle East when I joined the State Department and was fortunate enough to chart a, a career there that led me to several tours in the Middle East and then covering Middle East issues from back in Washington. Um, after doing that for a number of years, I kind of just got an itch to move in a different direction. Um, I felt that while there was a powerful seat and voice at the table being the public sector, um, that there was an increasing influence and impact and role that the private sector was also having in the international space. And I, I really wanted to learn more about that. So made a transition over, was doing government affairs for a bit of time, and um, realized in that role that I, I didn't speak the language of business fluently enough to be successful, um, but also knew I didn't want to go back to school at that point in my career. And so that led me to choose the path of management consulting. Um, and so the next big break in, or period in my career was with Booz Allen Hamilton, where I was a consultant leading their work with the State Department, with USAID, doing work in the counterterrorism space with the special operations community. It was fascinating. And uh, you know, Booz Allen certainly delivered on their uh, on-the-job MBA from that. Um, made the transition from there, um, started, went into the communication space. One of my uh, clients at the State Department had taken on a new role with Fleischman Hillard and wanted to capitalize on some of the work that we had done around public-private partnerships and how could we think about social impact as ways for companies to be present differently. And so I left Booz Allen to join him and that team. And then life being the fascinating thing that it is, um, had, uh, had some family needs up in Massachusetts, which led me to make a, a next big pivot, which was to leave DC and kind of the career and networks that I developed there, strike out on my own and be able to be back up uh, in the Boston area with family. Um, had an amazing journey there, which we can talk about sometime over drinks or cocktails when we're allowed to do that in person again. Um, and was doing that and was building, building that path for myself when I got a reach out from somebody at Starbucks. That person was the, the then uh, chief security officer or VP of global security and um, had a new role that he was looking to cast. And that was to be a director of programs and strategy in the way that you can only when you think you're not 
going to ever take the job. I, I was listening to, to the role he was describing and how it came together. And I said, wow, like, I absolutely understand why you're talking to me. Uh, it's just, you know, I can't really imagine moving to Seattle. And he said, well, I'm glad you know why I'm talking to you. And you're absolutely going to have to move to Seattle. Um, so fast forward, uh, the interview process went on. Um, it just became more and more a compelling direction for me. And that led me to accept the role with Starbucks in uh, the spring of 2018, moved out to the Seattle area later that summer. And um, about, gosh, maybe six, nine months after that, um, he had moved on into a different role. I, uh, with leaving Starbucks for a new company, uh, I moved into the role as acting chief security officer. And then following the interview process um, was formally offered the position in June of 2019. So that is my long meandering path to, to the wonderful role I get to get to fill now at Starbucks. Well, let's see if you've adopted some of the Seattle language. Uh, you wanna tell your community that it always is shining sun in Seattle, right? It's, it's always- Well, you know, if, if you were looking out the window that I'm looking at right now, you'd absolutely believe that. <laughs> Well, what, 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 and when I first moved up here, I, I'd like to say it rained every day so no one else would move here. But, uh, but I think the word's out. It doesn't rain every day. It's just a slow drool. The slow, uh, slow drip. So it's really interesting. So I think what I just heard is consulting became the bridge from business to your diplomatic security and safety and so forth, uh, yeah. right? consulting, which the old adage is, you know, the best way to learn new things is to try to teach it. <laughs> if you think about it, because you were a consultant for business people. Yeah. So and, and I think, you know, it's funny, I, I've often, if I've, if I've had to pick a single word to describe a thread of my professional journey, um, I feel like it's been translator, right? Ooh. So my, my first job, I was translating U.S. foreign policy objectives to foreign audiences and foreign priorities back to U.S. policy audiences. In um, consulting, you know, I was, I was translating what the problem was that my clients were looking to solve into a program, a project, a set of deliverables that would respond to that. And in my role today, you know, I am translating the technical capabilities that fall within business resiliency, physical safety and security into the business priorities of the enterprise. And then similarly, translating those business priorities back into the security function to sort of continue us on that journey of being seen as not a back office support system, not an old school gates, guards, and guns, but as risk advisors, as success advisors that are helping the business move quickly towards its objectives and doing so in a way that's cognizant to the, the risk of disruption, um, whatever form that might take. Was that an intuitive skill set, the ability to act as a translator, or is that something that can be taught and learned? Hmm. Probably, like anything, a bit of both, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I think that there's elements that you, I think some of it's just in, in, inherent to my nature, but I think parts of that are things, if I was to distill that out, parts of it are curiosity. I think, you know, you, you, if you want to be, 
that genuine curiosity of, of what, what's behind the ask that somebody has. I think there's an element of empathy, being able to put yourself in the position of the other side of the table um, and listening, right? I, I, if, I have to, if I had to pick like, what's the one piece of personal coaching advice that I often find myself repeating to myself, it's two ears, one mouth, two ears, one mouth. <laughs> Well, it's a different kind of listening too, right? Because look, look what you just said, a beautiful curiosity. What is genuine around your interests behind the ask? Standing in someone's shoes, empathy, and then active listening. What, what is that skill set of active listening besides just keeping your ears open? Yeah, it's being present in the conversation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I mean, I think that that's, Another thing that you know, it's, it's active listening isn't easy listening by any stretch, right? It's forcing yourself to really be attuned to the partner, not jumping ahead, right? Well, you know, it's like we, we all kind of have that tendency of, I, and, and I'm definitely guilty that, of this, of I assume I know where you're going, so I'm already framing my question as opposed to being open to where might you take the conversation. And translators can't do that. They have to stay within the sentence that's being spoken. (laughs) Exactly. That's awesome. Um, So we have this mindset. We have this past as prologue, right? Your past experience is giving you this moment with Starbucks. And it's a very pivotal moment. It's a pivotal moment, not only for our industry, the risk resilient security industry, but also for Starbucks and and our whole social circumstance right now in the midst of the pandemic. What have you learned? Mm. Um, wow. I, I mean, I, I think part of it is every day I'm, I'm I just, I, I so appreciate and value and I'm thankful for the role and the service that I get to provide back to Starbucks. Um, you know, I, I, I am, I've learned that there's, so much opportunity and space to walk into when you establish yourself as a credible partner and when you demonstrate a true commitment to teamwork and collaboration. Um, There's so much to be done. There's so much that's unknown that I think there's a genuine interest and hunger for partnership and problem solving. You know, nobody thinks at any stretch of the imagination that they have a corner on the answer. Um, So I think that there's a definite willingness to double down into where do people have experience and expertise and perspective to add. Um, And and that's just been tremendous, I think, um, not only for me, but for the team. Like, how how do we step into those moments? Um, It's also a time when, you know, in our industry, things that are often the worst for the rest of the world or the end up being those opportunities that we have to step forward and to shine. Um, It's what we train for. It's what our background is. It's the why of our function in so many ways. Um, And I think that that in, in that way, as, as much as it can sometimes be moments of exhaustion or you feel overwhelmed at the scale um, it's also immensely gratifying to be able to know that your skill sets um, are needed. Absolutely. You know, there's defining moments in markets. 
uh, in uh, history uh, and also uh, defining moments in a corporate life cycle where your, your entire business model is challenged, your values are challenged, and, and just like in all those other situations too, whether it's our country or a community or a business in this case, those defining moments are what make us, right? Or break us. And uh, it really feels like to me, your values of Starbucks, the whole idea, I'm gonna take your values of being a credible partner uh, to uh, teamwork and collaboration. It really feels like you've displayed that with the community too. Thank you. And, and I think that it's um, to, your, to your point, like this element of, um, stepping forward into this right and and that's been for for us at starbucks throughout this we've had a couple of anchors around how we want to be seen to respond and not be seen in the sense of the street or our, our shareholders but how do we as a company as leaders in a company as partners in a company want to be able to reflect on how we showed up in this moment and I think that, you know, going back to some of Kevin Johnson's earlier statements, earliest statements, like we, you know, we put our partner's safety and health first, followed by the health and safety of the communities that we're present in. And, you know, that, that ability to, for us, that the fact that mission and values for Starbucks has never been an abstract line on the walls that you read as you come in or something that you just kind of kick off and nod it and agree to, it is intrinsic to being a partner at Starbucks and certainly essential to be a successful partner at Starbucks. <clears throat> it has to truly infuse the why of your decision-making and the why of your recommendations. And I think that that has really enabled us as a company to kind of pivot the way that we have um, in responding to COVID, in you know, listening to our partners and to our customers to understand what are the adjustments as we go forward. Um, and I think for, for me and for my team, um, you know, it's been, our global nature and the fact that we're as plugged in as we are and being able to serve as a kind of a, a fulcrum for bringing those insights back into the enterprise um, has also been just tremendously gratifying. Well, it's heartening to me to see um, executive members of the risk resilience and, uh, and resilience community step forward to anchor a brand they believe in a brand they believe in, not just the security function, but a brand they yeah. believe in. So thank you for all you're doing in that regard. No, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I have said to others internally at Starbucks and, and in private conversations that, you know, for me, that was a big driver in coming to Starbucks. And I would say that um, being here and working for this company, it's been the closest echo to some of those mission and value driven moments that I felt when I was working for the government and my duty was to the constitution. Like it, it's just a, it is a, a real gift to be able to um, believe in the why of your company. And it's funny because we, we will, we'll, we'll have moments of self-reflection, right? Where at the, it's like at the end of the day, we sell coffee or if you're talking to my, my British uh, director, we sell coffee and cakes. <laughs> um, and so there's been moments when it's like, 
it's not that complicated. We sell coffee and cakes. Trust me, over the past several months, I have understood just how complex it is to sell coffee and cakes at a storefront going from origin. Um, but I think what's, what, has, what has been a differentiator for Starbucks, part of why we're about to go into our 50th year, um, is because we step forward in meaningful ways to community. And I remember one of the, I, I had the privilege in the first couple of months that I had moved to Seattle to go on our heritage tour and talk to baristas and partners in stores across the Seattle area where they shared their story. Then about four months after that, I was on a, a trip, well, two months after that, I was on a trip in Asia Pacific market. Four months after that, I was in a trip through our Europe, Europe and Middle East markets. And in all of those places, so some of those are equity markets, so fully owned by Starbucks, others are licensed markets, so we're working in partnership with licensees who operate the stores. And regardless of the ownership model, the feeling and the sentiment of those partners wearing the green apron was universal, right? So whether it was a partner here in Seattle talking about how the first time that she came into Starbucks, she felt recognized as the genuine person that she was and she could felt, felt like she could be herself in a way she hadn't at any other point in her life. Being in uh, Germany and hearing the story of a store manager who through his own hard work and commitment secured a refugee visa for a barista who was at risk because he didn't have the language skills requisite to extend his refugee status. Then being in Kuwait and listening to a third country national partner in Kuwait who was so thankful to Starbucks because, because of her employment with us, she and her husband were able to keep their baby with them instead of, like many have to, sending the child back to family and relatives to raise. And for me, like to know that my accountability is the the safety, the security, and the resiliency of a company that is delivering that type of experience to people all around the world is awesome. It makes up for all of those days that are less than awesome because I can anchor back to that at the end. So you make that bridge, but like you said, in your translator role, you then have to go the other way. So you have you, you get the brand. Now you have to infuse the brand and the values and the mission and vision and the story of Starbucks into actual practices in your program. Mm -hmm. Have you found that difficult or have you found that, have you found, what challenges have you seen in that and what opportunities have you found? Yeah, so I mean, I think that the, um, so I, I, I see that the, the opportunity try and be more articulate in it. Um, I think that part of where it is, so it's not been hard in the sense that to be part of the Starbucks family, right? So my team is populated by people who believe in what I just shared, right? So, it's, uh, so I, that's not a lift. I think part of what sometimes is, is challenging is that, uh, and I share this with my team when I come back from travel, I get the privilege of going out and having those moments like I just described to you. How do I make sure to infuse those moments and that sense of connection to the why back into my team so that they feel that same level of commitment and storytelling 
as they undertake upgrading our alarm panels, right? How can we build that connection piece? So I think the opportunity for us as a, as a function has been um, really building around that internal storytelling so that I can, that, that not just I, but that my team can tell the story of, hey, you know why we need a multi-million dollar investment for cameras and alarm panels for our retail stores? It's because of this. This will advance safety. You know, I have to say the, the journey that has been made um, in terms of senior leadership's indexing on the criticality of partner safety is phenomenal. Um, you know, I am blessed with a leadership team, and I mean that exactly the words I used, that intrinsically has a new level of understanding of the urgency of A, safe and secure environments, and B, the ability to be resilient in the face of disruption. And that we're then able to layer into that the story of and how as Starbucks we want to show up differently. Um, I, I think for us, if, if, if my team is um, overwhelmed by anything, it's just how do we marshal ourselves to race forward into these opportunities in a way that's smart and sustainable and scalable? Well, community, what you've just heard from a senior, liver, uh, a senior leader in your ranks is a scorecard for a leader, curiosity, empathy, and listening. And I think we're going to add a fourth one, and that is chief storyteller back to the security team so that they can be empowered to act within the values and the brand of their company, the why behind their company. Cheryl, that was marvelous. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ron. Uh, Cheryl, two questions before we end our conversation today. Uh, the first one, um, and, and it's an option, you may not have anything that comes to mind right away, but any, anything you're reading today or listening to that you would advise your peers to maybe take a look at? Yeah, I would say the, the book that springs most fine, so two of them. One is um, The Icarus Deception by Seth Godin. Um, I just found that, that book fascinating in terms of, you know, how to align your thinking, being brave in the face of, of risks and opportunities, not being afraid to fly too high. Um, the other book that I, I recently, and I, I did it as an audio book, which I highly recommend, um, was Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. Um, and for that, I think that's, that's one of those elements that kind of indexes into what does it mean to listen? What does it mean to hear? That's awesome. And then uh, as I've described to the community, this is a round table. This isn't an event. This isn't a marketing forum. This is a peer-based membership forum. Who would you like us to bring into the conversation for us all, including yourself, to listen to next? Well, I feel like it's like I, 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 all the names that spring immediately to mind, I, I know have already participated. So I'm trying to, I was trying to think outside the box on this one. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've um, chatted at all with Shauna over at the Gates Foundation, if she's participated yet. But I also want to put, I want to put a little bit more of my thinking cap on this one, Ron, and see if I can give you an, an out of left field candidate who may not be directly within our functional sphere, um, but might add some different perspectives. So That's awesome. I'm going to put a hook on that one. 
by the way, real quick, um, obviously been in, I've been in Seattle since 1980, right? So I experienced Starbucks for a long time and the coffee culture of Seattle. But I didn't know a lot of the history of Starbucks, even though the home store is in downtown Seattle, right? Yeah. I did a keynote. I was going to do a keynote with a company uh, in Milan. And I started thinking about, I have a great leadership example right here in the city. So I did some study on Schultz and the city of Milano and where he first discovered the coffee culture of Italy, right? Yeah. And just so you know, I actually used Howard and, and the story of Starbucks as a leadership journey in creating a powerful brand. So thank you again for re-anchoring that for me because I haven't lived that for a very long time. So thank you. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation with Cheryl Steele of Starbucks. I appreciate it, Cheryl, so much giving back to the community and uh, hopefully talk to you again soon. I'll look forward to that. Thank you, Ron.